0: The church has always been made up with human beings, people, and so the church, on a human side, has always had issues and things that need to be addressed. Um, but God's word provides all those answers, and if we will faithfully preach through the scripture and be careful to interpret it correctly, God's church can be an absolute wonderful place, a blessing and joy, where the fellowship it can be sweet where we can be good friends and good brothers and sisters in christ and find a place that's really very warm and loving in this world well jesus promised his disciples a couple different things and and, and it's very important to understand that he was transparent and open Uh, sometimes we're told that certain organizations will be transparent with us and end up they're not transparent with us and sometimes people uh, hold back what what they should say, and uh, especially at the beginning of perhaps employment at a particular job or that type of thing. But Jesus held no punches when he addressed his disciples and told them that they would be at peace with God, they would be hilariously happy in their walking with him, but he also said that they would be in constant danger and trouble. Uh, he, he told them clearly that in this world, you shall have trouble. You shall have persecution. And it was not the trouble that we think. It was not the trouble of uh, physical health is declining. It was not the trouble of just simple circumstances that come upon you like anybody. Flat tires on your car on the way home tonight is not a, a, a Satan didn't puncture your flat tire. And this is not a test of the Lord, that's just something that happens to everybody. The trouble that he referred to was the trouble that we naturally get into because we are his, because we claim him. And he has always been contrary to this world. Uh, If you ever jump into a fast-flowing stream and feel the current against you, if you turn with your current, to your back to the current and simply put your feet up and float, it'll take you right down with no problem at all. But if you choose to turn and walk against the current of the stream, you will face resistance. To follow Jesus Christ is to face resistance in this world. This world is no friend of the Savior, has never been, never will be. Uh, in fact, it's quite a warning when I'll call you friend and you have no enemies because you walk with Jesus Christ. It's Paul told Timothy that you will suffer persecution. It's just the way it is. And the bolder you are for Christ and your walk with Christ is intimate and real and you're drawing a life from him, you will gain resistance in this world and unfortunately many times within the church itself. Is sometimes the resistant places of brothers who are not free. Paul dealt that with that with the legalists of his day. Take a look at Philippians chapter one. And let's talk a little bit about suffering and persecution because we sit comfortably in this room tonight on padded pew, and no danger from government interference in what we do does not mean it'll always be that way. And surely does not mean it's that way for brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Presently in Iraq, it is incredibly dangerous to be a Christian. There are people, their heads are being cut off, imprisonment, rape, pillage of their families, the loss of their families and home because they name the name of Christ. If we were in China tonight, we might be huddled in someone's home in a basement, hoping that they wouldn't find us there please, because that's over the seas, do not think it could not reach here. It could. And so Paul suffered for his walk for Christ, and it's a good thing. So much so that in the book of Acts, when they were arrested and taken away and suffered, you remember James, he lost his head. They, they chopped the man's head off. Peter was thrown in prison. The only reason Peter got out of that deal is because it was the Passover and they just were waiting for the Passover to go by so Herod could bring him out and cut his head off too. Miraculously released from prison. And when they were beaten and when they were tormented, they counted it a privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ. They counted that a great honor. Look at verse 27. Only let or allow your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Now back in my law days when I preached basically the law and not grace, I would latch on to that first statement in verse 27 assuming that I knew what manner of life Paul was talking about and then I would rail upon all the things to be avoided and how to live in this world and things to do. In fact, Recently speaking with a brother who struggles a little bit with grace and wanted to understand it all, said, this is, this is, he said, Mike, open your Bible to, to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. There it is. We need to tell people how to live. We need to tell them what the manner of life, that it needs to be worthy of Christ, that you need to not go here and not go there and not do this and not do that. And I said to the dear brother after I looked at the verse, let's look at the whole verse together. Let's see what the end says, because the end interprets the beginning. Look at chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, or am absent, I can't make it, I may hear of you, here it is, this is the manner of life worthy of the gospel, that you may be standing firm in one spirit as a church collectively one body one spirit together notice he goes on and says this with one mind striving battling realizing there's an enemy to the faith side by side notice in defense for the the faith of the gospel there's the manner worthy of the gospel of christ The fact that we as a church are unified in the Spirit of God. The fact that we all understand what the faith of the gospel is and that we face this world with that message collectively fearing no persecution against us. Now let me tell you what the church has done over the centuries. They've taken that which is very simple and complicated with a lot of man-made stuff doctrines of men that were never meant to be in the gospel at all because Satan would desire to divide the church you know there was no denominations at the beginning there was just the church at Jesus Christ at Philippi the church of Jesus Christ at Ephesus the church at Jerusalem there weren't first this and second that and this and that okay now denominations came in for a very good reason and we don't have time to go into that. There's not a problem with denominations, but there's a problem when we can't agree because there's so many multiplicity of doctrines and teachings and spin-offs of men's ways they look at it. You gotta speak in tongues over there, you gotta feed the hungry over here, or you gotta you gotta baptize in the right way over there, or you gotta. And all these doctrines of men that have separated the very simple fact of the faith of the gospel that unified the early church, which is now divided into a thousand different schisms. So, how do you get to the unity within a church fellowship? Well, you must make decisions about what simplicity there is in the gospel and stick with simplicity and reject the doctrines of men you must correctly interpret the scripture and understand what the simple gospel is. Are you ready? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Corinthians when he said, this is the gospel. He died for you and for I. He shed his blood. He was buried, taking us, not only the sins that we have committed, but who we are in the old Adamic nature right down into that, right into that grave. And when we came up out of the grave, we did not have Adam's nature anymore. We had the nature of God himself, the nature of Christ resurrected out of that grave. And when he ascended up to heaven, God has placed us in him and we sit in the heavenly places. We don't look up for Christ, we actually look down on this creation being in Christ. Amen. That is the simple gospel of Jesus. There's a two pronged teaching of that. Listen carefully. First of all, I am saved from all that I have done. The blood of Jesus Christ through my faith in the sacrifice of that cross, understanding that He is God, the Lamb of God, covers all of my sins and takes away my guilt. My guilt before a holy God, my guilt before all men, I am free and I am clean. And if that was all there was to the gospel, hallelujah. But there's more. Not only has He forgiven me for everything I ever have done, will do, done. He has He has buried Mike, the old me. He has taken that i am and crucified me with christ raising me now in christ a new creation that is the simple faith of the gospel Amen. now are there other doctrines to consider absolutely and we get them from the book jesus was sinless he was born of a virgin um, we do have a mode of baptism that we believe is scriptural that we will do tonight, which is full immersion, which we believe the Bible clearly teaches. Amen. I won't divide with a brother over it within this fellowship. That's what we believe. Uh, that's the faith of the gospel. The problem is for, for many religions, that's not enough. Are you listening very carefully? For many preachers, that's not enough to draw a crowd and excite people. You've got to tell them what they want to hear. And what do people want to hear? They want to hear that their life is going to turn out well. Well, Jesus said, you may be martyred for me. You may die at the stake. You may be crucified. You may, you may suffer. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear, I'm not going to hurt anymore. Uh, christians over the centuries have lost lands houses wealth for christ but we don't want to hear that we want to hear my bank account will exponentially grow because of him the gospel's not enough we've got to speak with tongues and run up and down the aisle and flip back somersaults we need a show We need a preacher that's just going to thrill us and have the hairs come up on our arms every time he gets up and speaks. We want an experience. Do you understand? The gospel's not enough for them, but it's enough for us. We don't look to an experience. We look to an indwelling Christ. The unity of the body is that Christ lives not only separately in all of us, but corporately within the church. Do you understand? He has placed us within a body, which is the body of Christ. So Satan would divide. God unifies. But the unity must, watch this, the unity must be under the guise or at least under the, under the understanding of the simple gospel of Christ. Now there are churches that you can go to that they, they will not talk about doctrine they just want you to come raise your hands up and sing about Jesus. The problem is that what Jesus are you talking about? So teachings and doctrines do matter. The simplicity of the gospel does matter. Understanding what the real deal is does matter. And here's the unity right here. Chapter 1 in verse 27. So we stand side by side. Notice, for the faith of the gospel. And verse 28 says, we are not frightened in anything by our opponents. The word frightened in the Greek is the word for a skittish horse. A horse that's been spooked. And so it's a little skittish on its heels. Paul says, don't be frightened by any opponent. Uh, For the young people that are going off to college, you'll you'll stand before a professor that will mock the faith. I've sat in those classes and listened to them make fun of Christ and the gospel and make fun of all that. Those are opponents to the faith. No reason to be intimidated by any of that. It says in verse 28 that this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, which is from God. They are furious with the Christian church. They are furious with the gospel. They oppose us. Why do they oppose us? It is an evident token, the King James says, of their demise. It is an evident token that they're moving toward judgment. And it's a very clear token to us that we are going to be saved from all this stuff. We don't oppose them. They oppose us. We care about them. We want them to come to the truth. We want to share the love of Jesus Christ. They want to keep our mouths shut. They don't want to hear it. Your light's in the darkness. And they love the darkness and they love their sin and they don't want to hear it. It makes them uncomfortable. Awkward. You know what kind of society we live in, do you not? people are apologizing every day for things they say Don't say anything to offend anyone the gospel offends it tells people that they're lost that they're sinful that they need a savior it tells people that they're not okay remember the years ago that book came out i'm okay you're okay remember that i got a copy of that and read that when i came out i'm okay problem is we're not okay Pull away all the veneer and we're rebellious against God and the gospel says that. That was a that was a pretty good anyway. That's about the biggest volume of spit I think I've ever, anyway. No reason to mention that. Most of you didn't see it. I just was just, wow, look at that. It's just it's beautiful. It just flies out there. Susan, you okay up there? You're a brave young lady there, I tell you get wound up i just some preachers they get down and they start running you know i don't do that i won't get that close to you i know all right so this is a clear sign that when they oppose you you're in the truth it's a clear sign that you're right that you're going to be saved that your salvation notice verse 29 for it has been granted the word granted is the greek for the giving of a gift a grace gift it has been granted To you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but suffer for his sake. Now I remind you that suffering for the sake of Jesus is not the irritations of life, it is the disdain by which others look at you because you know Christ and because you go to church and it's because you name the name of Christ, sometimes that happens within your own family. You're free in the Lord, you're saved, and there's those in your own family that can't stand it. Now, they're too kind and nice to say it for most of them, but down deep, they don't like it. That's a source of persecution. You know why the early church suffered, don't you? They refused to do something. One of the Caesars, along well after Julius Caesar, I can't name the one particularly, but he brought in what they call Caesar worship. And uh, over time, it kind of came about that once a year, all Roman citizens, and really all subjects of Rome, whether you're a citizen or not, had to bring before the court... A candle and light a candle and say these words caesar is lord now as long as they did that one time a year they could go back and worship any deity they wanted to but if they didn't do that they were in violation of a state law and many of them burned at the stake and suffered for it just say the words big deal they're just words but they wouldn't say him. Let's finish the chapter, and then we'll be done. For it's granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. You're engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had. Philippians in the town he'd gotten beaten, thrown in jail, and they saw it. And notice he says, and now you hear that I still have. I love that. You know why I love that? Because persecution never stopped Paul and just inflamed him to go further. You know, beat the man, throw him in prison, let him out, he'll go down the road and he'll start the same mess in the next town. You ever ask yourself why the gospel doesn't cause any enemies today? I mean, you read the book of Acts and he went into a town and just ruffled a bunch of feathers and I mean just caused it today churches are all over the place and preachers are preaching all over the place and everybody yawns and goes home and just ignores them. You ever ask yourself why? I I would suggest that maybe the message that is being preached today in most churches and on TV and radio doesn't offend anybody because they're not talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're talking about a message that is mixed with psychology. Psychology. Remember I told you the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Do you know what that does to humanity? That tells them they can do absolutely nothing to save themselves. That means there's nothing to offer. Even after you're saved, there's nothing to offer. There's nothing to bring religiously, and people love their religion. I I passed a, a Mormon church on the way home, and out they walk with their fine suits, strutting to their cars in a false religion a cult men love it man they love their religion they can dress up and be impressive in front it It makes them feel good about themselves the gospel doesn't make you feel good about yourself it makes you understand how much god loves you in spite of all that and came to save you from your sins and the way he draws you close is by nothing you do that's that's a that's a striking blow to the pride of man my goodness now that I'm saved I, I can really benefit the church no just come on down and limp along with the rest of us we, you're not going to add anything down here we all just get around and focus on Jesus Christ and we're all just amazed and blown away and, and just abandon ourselves to him and he becomes the incredible focus of all Steve asked a good question this morning in Sunday school. He said, what about the mountains? Jesus said, if you believe in me, you could say to that mountain over there, why don't you move? And it's gone. Karen wanted to know, yeah, what, how come the mountains are still there? I've believed for years and the mountains still there. The problem is we look at mountains like circumstances in our lives. Do you know how the mountains get moved? You get so focused on faith in Christ. Do you see the mountains anymore? They're gone. They're gone. Mountains are things like unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy and hatred and pettiness. And the stuff within us that tears us apart and makes our life miserable those are mountains. Those are big stuff. It isn't your job or your kids or your home. or It's not mountains. The really big issues are the spirit within us that tears us to pieces. So how do you get rid of those mountains? Faith in Jesus Christ. And by looking at him, all of a sudden, all those things are gone. But man, I got to focus on that. I need, to, I need to get a bunch of verses that tell me how I can forgive somebody else. Well, you're still working at it, aren't you? Still focused on it. I, uh, I love the gospel. Isn't it simple? Isn't it beautiful? It's not complicated. It's not popular. It'll always be an offense. Some of you are listening to the gospel tonight for the very first time. You've never heard it before, Perhaps. You never understood. maybe you just thought it was like a story in a Bible in a book somewhere, and you know, but it's the person of Jesus Christ who came to this earth to die for us on a cross. Amen. It's very simple. He paid the price that we should have paid, and by His blood, by your faith in him, he washes away your sins. But not only that, he comes in, fusing the life, the deadness with life itself crucifying us, hiding us in his son so that his son can live through us.